Hi, welcome to the New Story Church podcast. We hope that this week's message encourages you and brings you closer to Jesus. If we haven't met before, my name is Scott. I'm the pastor here, and uh, we've been doing this now for about two years as a church. And this is the first time we've had a, a New Year's Eve uh, worship celebration or praise party before. And uh, it's it's been a good time so far. And uh, once, just thank you so much for being here. Uh, I, I want to be forthright with you about something. I, I really enjoy holidays. I enjoy Christmas and, and Thanksgiving. And I, I, to be honest with you, New Year's New Year's has never really been a you know a huge holiday for me. Uh, I I've enjoyed I, I've been downtown Buffalo before to see the ball drop. Growing up in my little town of Winchester, Virginia, we had this apple that would drop because we were the apple town. We had the Apple Blossom Mall, and everything was about apples in my hometown. And so I'd go downtown and we'd see the apple drop, and they would drop it from a crane. And so I've celebrated New Year's before. I've celebrated New Year's Eve before, but I've never been somebody who makes like a lot of New Year resolutions and I've probably made a couple before but I don't really remember them and I didn't really stick to them anybody here made a New Year's resolution before that you have not stuck to anybody yeah okay all right so we've we've all probably or most of us have been there before but I think one of the issues I have with New Year's is that it, and I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. I'm not trying to be that guy. But sometimes we, we think, oh, because the calendar's changing, I am going to be a different person now. Because, you know, it's going to be 2023 instead of 2022. I'm just going to be completely different. The person that I was in 2022, oh, you know what? I, I can be that person up until 11.59 p.m. on December 31st of 2022. But then when 2023 hits, I'm different. I'm changed. It's gone. It's over. And, and, and sometimes we, we we lie to ourselves that, oh, I'll just be completely different in 2023. I'll, I'll just, you know, I've been doing all these things and I've just been, I've just, you know, in, in December, I've just not really been eating well because, you know, it's the holiday season. And so I've just, you know, I've been eating chocolate all the time and cookies all the time. That's totally me. Oh, but when 2023 comes, that's done. I'm done. I'm not doing it anymore. And, and we think, oh, just because the time changes or just because the clock has changed, that everything is miraculously going to change now. But we know that that's not always true. But what we're here to celebrate tonight, and as we talk about Jesus tonight, I truly do believe, and we as New Story Church believe, that a, a changing of a time or a changing of a calendar may not directly result in life change. But Jesus Christ is the name above every name. And it is in Jesus Christ that you can have and you can experience life change right here, right now. That he is the resurrected king. He sits on the throne above all of creation. He is the one through whom creation was spoken into existence. And it is in the name of Jesus and his resurrection power that your life can be transformed. It is in his resurrection power that your life can be changed. Amen? I know it's, I know it's almost 11 o'clock. But we're going to get through this. And if you need a Red Bull, I keep mentioning this because we have so many of them out there. And if you want to stay awake, you can you can follow along with the Red Bull. That's okay. The Holy Spirit will use the Red Bull to enlighten your hearts and minds tonight. But, but it is Him. It is Jesus who can change us. And so if you brought a Bible tonight or if you want to follow along on your phone, we're going to be in Luke chapter 5. In Luke 5, New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So it's it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, at, right after Mark, right before John. We're in Luke. We're in Luke chapter 5. And I want to read to you this, this parable that Jesus begins to tell in Luke 5. He told them a parable. No one tears a patch from a new garment and sews it on an old garment. 
If he does, he will have torn the new and the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wine skins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins and will be spilled and the skins will be destroyed. Instead, new wine must be poured into new wine skins. I thought it'd be appropriate in New Year's Eve for us to look at this passage in Luke 5 where Jesus is talking about this contrast between old and new. He's using these pictures of of wine skins and he's talking about garments. And so if you're taking notes tonight, the title of tonight's message is this, Something New. We're going to talk about something new. And we live in an age and a time that is obsessed with new. And we oftentimes think, oh, because something is new, that must mean it's better. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's not. I'm beginning to realize that I'm I'm really not old. I'm only 29 years old. But to some people, I am old now. To people who are 18 or 19 or 20 years old, I am old. I've, I've lived some time. I'm 29. Hello. How are you? Good to see you. Thank you for being here at New Year's. And... I'm probably old uh, in your eyes, but good to see you, Emerson. Thank you for coming up front and uh, happy new year. But, you know, I, I, 20, I'm beginning to realize that to some people I'm old. So, so let, me, let me let you know how old I am. I remember being raised in Greenville, North Carolina and my parents bringing home the first ever that we had personal computer. It was a desktop computer. And to use this computer, I think we had like Juno or Net Zero or something like that. Anybody remember those days? Juno and Net Zero. And to to use the internet, we had these things back then called a home phone. You may not know what that is, but a home phone is a phone that was at your home. And it would be hung up on the wall or, or maybe on the counter or something. And these home phones, if you don't know what they are, you can go to a museum. They have them there. But in these, in these, in these home phones, you could actually not be on the internet and use your home phone at the same time. It was called dial-up. And so if you were on the internet, you could not receive a phone call at home. But now what has happened? Technology has rapidly been progressing. We've been seeing a lot of new things and now you can get the internet basically anywhere on this little phone. You don't need dial-up. And you could actually be on the phone with somebody and they could be talking about something that you know nothing about and you can look it up on your phone what they're talking about and pretend you know what they're talking about. You can keep up with the conversation. Times have changed. I remember when I had my first cell phone and and it was this flip phone and my parents gave me a cell phone when I was in like middle school because my mom used to drop me off at the mall all the time to hang out with my friends, which was a bad idea. Bad things happened because of that. But my mom was so gracious and she trusted me, but she probably shouldn't have trusted me because I did things that I shouldn't do. But anyways, I, I was at the mall and she dropped me off at these movies and I had this flip phone and I remember when I could text people and I thought it was so cool. And then I went and I moved on from my flip phone and I eventually got this phone that everybody had called the rumor. Anybody remember the rumor? And the rumor was so cool because it had a keyboard on it. If you don't know what a rumor is it's basically an android okay but uh, a room I'm, I'm not i'm making fun of the android people i'm sorry i i love the i love the, but but this rumor was it, it had this little and i thought oh this is so cool but then i ended up getting an android and then i got an iphone and, and things have changed things are always rapidly changing i remember when uh social media came out and i wasn't supposed to have myspace 
but I got one anyway. And then one of my teachers, she saw what I had on MySpace and she said, hey, I'm gonna tell your parents about what you have on this account unless you get rid of it immediately. And I said, I'm going to get rid of it immediately because my parents didn't want me to have MySpace, but I did have AIM Instant Messenger. But then after AIM Instant Messenger, we ended up having Instagram and Facebook and Snapchat. The point I'm trying to make is that things are always changing. There's always something new. There's always something different. And because of this wave and this movement of new, there's, there's this idea out there or this thought out there that, oh, we as humans, we are progressing. We have so much new technology and so many new innovations that we just must naturally be getting better, right? We know more than we ever knew before. And there are different authors and people who've made these arguments. And, and I understand where they're coming from in some senses. There are some ways in which we have gotten better. But then when we even look at some of the tragedies that happened this past year in 2022, you have a hard time convincing me that just because we have all of these new things and we have all of these innovations and because we are progressing that we are somehow getting better because people always figure out a way to take these things and use them for evil and use them for corruption and so there's people like, oh humans are getting better we're fixing our problems we're fixing our problems and we really see that that's we're fixing some problems, but with that comes a whole another array of problems. And and uh, there's some there's got to be something different, right? And this narrative keeps growing and growing. And so there's another narrative, and it's like these two narratives are, are butting heads against one another. It's like we have one group of people in society who are saying, hey, we're progressing, we're getting better, let's just keep leaning into all of it. And then there's another group of people who are saying, well, no, we just need to go back to the way things were. We just need to go back to the good old days. But the good old days for some people are not necessarily the good old days for other people. What was good for you may not have been good for someone else. And these and these these narratives keep hitting up against one another. And it's this idea that, oh, if we could just go back to the way people used to do things, or if we could just rely on people's innovations, then, then things will just get better. But I, I want to let you know that there's something new and there's something different that's outside of these two things that are just hitting up against one another. And it's actually something better. Then when you think you have to choose, do I have to choose between this narrative or that narrative? There's a different narrative that's above those narratives. There's a different way of living that's above those ways, and it's the way of Jesus and the power of his resurrection. That we don't have to hope and, oh, humans will eventually figure things out, or we don't have to hope and, oh, oh, maybe if we could just get back to the way things were, but there's a hope in the power of the resurrection that can burst forth and bring life in any circumstance in any place. That we don't have to just, oh, is it this or is it that? Or should I listen to these people or those people? But when we listen to Jesus above all else, he is the one who begins to bring the answers and the life that we have been searching for. In fact, the Apostle Paul was dealing with a very similar tension in 1 Corinthians. He wrote this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, For Jewish people demand miraculous signs, and Greeks ask for wisdom. But we preach about a crucified Christ, a stumbling block to the Jewish people, and foolishness to Gentiles. This message of a crucified Savior, who then was a resurrected Savior, it, it seems like foolishness to some people. It seems like a stumbling block to other people. But we actually find that when we listen closely to Jesus, and we put our faith and trust in the hope of the resurrection, that it's actually the way forward into the life that we were intended to live. And this new that Jesus is talking about in Luke 5, it's a whole different type of hope. 
and it's actually the hope that we need. It's the hope that our soul has been craving for. And so I want to walk through Luke chapter 5. And in walking through Luke chapter 5, I'm going to discuss with us three different elements and aspects of the work of Jesus and the life of Jesus and the, and, the, and the presence of Jesus. And in looking at this, I want every one of us to discover how we can move forward into the new that Jesus is talking about in Luke 5. So the first thing is this, is the presence of Jesus. The presence of Jesus. Have you ever been around a person before? And when you're around this person, they just, they just make you want to be better. They like inspire you to change and not in a judgmental way either where they're like guilt tripping you, but they just, they elevate you. They elevate you. They're like, I like them. I'd like to be like them. Their generosity is contagious. Their kindness is contagious. Almost like a Ted Lasso type of figure where he just, you know, brings positivity and you're like, I want to be like this person. It, it like elevates you. And, and, and then you want, I, I just hope whatever they have would rub off on me. Think about that person times like a billion. And that's what Jesus was doing and he's still doing 2,000 years later. The fact that we are still talking about him 2,000 years later is, is to me a testimony of the fact that the very presence of Jesus was elevating people to something completely different, to something brand new. Jesus was calling his followers. He's calling us to rise above. And it's by his very presence in our lives that we begin to see that we can rise above. Before the passage that we started with in Luke chapter 5, when Jesus was talking about new wine and the old wine skins, there's this a bit of a debate going on. These religious leaders, they come and they say to Jesus, hey, hey, Jesus, we noticed that um, your followers are not fasting. Why are they not fasting? They should be fasting. And fasting was when the, the people, they would deny themselves of food and seek God. They would deny themselves of something and seek the presence of God. And it's something we still do today, but in the presence of Jesus during his ministry, Jesus explains in this passage why that wasn't really necessary because of his presence. He says this in Luke chapter 5. You cannot make the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them, can you? But those days are coming, and when the bridegroom is taken from them, at that time, they will fast. The fasting was something really, really important in the world that Jesus was in. People would fast maybe once or twice a week. Some people would fast for a day at a time. Some people would fast for three days at a time. And when they were fasting, what they were doing was calling out to God and seeking God for deliverance. And Jesus is saying, I am the great deliverer. I'm right in front of you. I am the bridegroom. And because of my presence right here, right now, it wasn't necessary at that time for his followers to fast. He was calling them by his very presence to rise above the status quo, to rise above what everybody else was used to doing and saying, because of my presence, something different is here. Something different has arrived. And Jesus, by his very presence and his Holy Spirit dwelling within us as those who follow Christ, he's calling us to rise above. He's inviting us to be a different kind of people. People who don't just, you know, make resolutions and don't keep them. But he's calling us to be a different kind of people by his presence. People who are full of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. 
Jesus is calling us forward to rise above what everybody else is doing, to rise above that which is normal. And by his presence, he desires to transform us. Amen. And it's, if we go back even further in Luke 5, we can see how Jesus is doing this. Jesus is really stirring up some controversy here. He's, he's really creating something brand new and totally different. Look at this in Luke chapter 5, verses 30 through 32. But the Pharisees and their experts in the law complained to his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, Those who are well don't need a physician, but those who are sick do. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The very presence of Jesus is creating a revolution. The very presence of Jesus is starting something so new and so different that people are like, why is Jesus with these people? Why is Jesus hanging out with these people? Why would Jesus be around this group of people? Because Jesus is creating a movement. He's creating something different where we don't it's 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 so relevant to where we're at today because in our time people are telling us oh be polarized see the other person as the enemy always be angry and upset with the other find a way to find a way to just always be find a way to push someone away who do you need to be upset with who do you need to have an argument with there it, it it's like we we and where we are today, we feel so divided. I don't know about you, but I feel like there's there's always a reason. People are always giving you a reason to be upset with somebody else. Did you see what they did? Did you hear what they said? And Jesus, 2,000 years ago, was in a very similar situation where there were these hierarchies and these groups, and you didn't associate with those people or that person. And Jesus was just hanging out with everybody. Jesus was showing love and grace to everybody. His very presence was calling humanity to something different. Will you allow the presence of Jesus tonight to call you to something different, to be someone different? And instead of giving into the narratives of our time that say, oh, that person or that group or those people, they're the enemy. May we instead take this teaching of Jesus to heart where he goes on to say this in Luke chapter six. He says, but I say to you who are listening, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. What is he saying about your enemies? Love your enemies. Not, oh, go to social media and post something that's a very passive aggressive post about your enemies so that people can know that you got your word out there, you know? He doesn't say that. With those people who curse you and mistreat you, what should you do? Well, you should curse them back, right? No. Pray for them. Love them. If we as the church want to begin to make the difference that we have been called to make in making disciples, then we must be people who love others as Christ has loved us. And when we are tempted and drawn into, oh, they're the enemy, they're this. No, Jesus calls us by his presence to love others. But for us to experience the presence of Jesus, we must be willing to have moments where we are present with him. To turn off our phones for a moment. To turn down the noise for a moment. 
to spend time in prayer and reading the scripture and to seek him first above all else. If we want to feel his presence and hear his voice, then we must be willing to be present with him. Secondly, I want to talk to you about the work of Jesus. Not only does Jesus offer to be present with us, that our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit, that the very Spirit that was in the risen and resurrected Christ dwells within us. Paul writes that in Romans. But we also, uh, the work of Jesus, Jesus begins, he's not only present within us, but he begins to do a work within us. Philippians 1, 6 says that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. He begins doing a work in us. It's, some say it's a sanctifying word. I know that's a big word, but a sanct- sanctification means that he, he's, he's shaping us into holiness. He's setting us apart. He's making us different. Christ begins to work in our lives and speak into our lives and make us into a different kind of people. And this is what Jesus was getting at in the passage that we started with in Luke chapter 5. I want to return here in Luke 5, verses 36 through 38. He told them a parable. No one tears a new patch of wine. No one tears a patch of wine. Patch, sorry, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. He told them a parable. No one tears a patch from a new garment and sews it on an old garment. If he does, he will have torn the new. And the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wine skins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins and will be spilled and the skins will be destroyed. Instead, new wine must be poured into new wine skins. Now, Jesus is using some metaphors here that I know we may not be fully familiar with because like we all know some people who like, like to intentionally rip their clothing or their pants or their jeans specifically and then patch them up with different things. It's a vibe. It's a look. I'm down. Listen, I've never done it myself. I'm not an artist, so I don't try to get creative with my clothing. I like to keep my clothing together that I purchase, that I spend my money. But if people, some people rip it and put like a flannel patch on or whatever, and you can pull it off. It's great. And we see that, and we know that people do that. But in what what Jesus is addressing here is that it didn't make sense to take something new and then rip it and place it on something old. And then what happened is if you tried to wash the new with the old, they would tear apart from one another because the old kind of set in its ways and the new would tear apart. He's like, you don't do that. You don't take new fabric and try to and try to put it together with the old. And then he's talking about wine and wine skins. And I know for those of you in here who are not 21 years of age yet, you're good law-abiding citizens. So you don't know anything about wine. So just let me let me tell you about the, the wine skins. The wine skins were, were, these, were these things that they would place the wine in. And he's like, you don't put new wine into old old wine skins. Why? Because the old had settled. And if you put new fermenting wine in, it would burst the skins. But a new wine skin could grow with the fermenting wine. So Jesus is saying, you can't put, you can't put the new, you can't mix it. And in fact, what what he's trying to let us know is that like the old cannot contain the new. The old cannot contain the new. And, and, and so many of us, we, we get tempted to start mixing. We start following Jesus, and when we first give our lives to him, we're really excited. Oh, I'm all about Jesus. I'm reading. I'm doing I'm so excited to follow Jesus. But then we start getting lured in to the old way of life or to old habits, and we start mixing. And we start thinking, ah, you know what? I'm going to take a little bit of Jesus here. 
but you know that, that, you know, I got to hold on to this. Yeah, I'm, I'm good with Jesus as Lord, but yeah, I got to, I got to, I can't stop gossiping because it, it makes me feel better about me. I, 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 I want to keep Jesus here, but, but yeah, you know, I, I, I can't stop with this addiction that I have because it keeps feeding this other thing. And I like this Jesus thing, but, but, you know, I, I got to keep this as well. Or, or, you know, I, I, I like, you know, but what we love to do is we love to hold on to the benefits of Jesus, but we don't want Jesus. We want to talk about, oh, you know, I prayed the prayer. I got eternal life one day. I'm good. I got my eternal life. So yeah, I know I got this anger problem and I know that I'm really nasty and mean to people all the time, but you know what? I got my eternal life and you know what? He forgives, he forgives, he forgives. And we think that, oh, you know, he just forgives, forgives. And so he just wants me to stay this way all the time. I'm just going to stay the same person. And, and we try mixing and we try and we try bringing it. And, and Jesus has something to say about this as well. Not only does he say it doesn't fit, which is he's alluding to in Luke chapter 5, but in Matthew chapter 15, in quoting the prophet Isaiah, he said this, These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. How often do we just get caught up in the routine? Or how often do we find ourselves, oh, I love the benefits of Jesus. I love that he forgives me. I love that I have this promise of eternal life one day, but I want to hold on to this thing back here. I want to just keep, I'm going to try to mix the best that I can. I'm going to try. And what we're doing, I'm, and I'm not talking about the person who you've given your life to Jesus and there's a struggle that you're facing. That's a real thing. Sometimes we face these struggles and we're working through them and we're praying about it and we're going to groups and we're working it through with other people. I'm not talking about a struggle. I'm talking about that area of compromise that you know that you're not letting go of. I'm talking about that area of compromise that he's even come up in my life before where I'm like, oh, I just want to hold on to that so bad. And since he forgives me, I can hold on to it. Where we're like, start using Jesus almost. And what we're doing in that scenario is what we're actually is, is we're saying, hey, you know what, Jesus, I love the benefits, but I don't want you to be Lord. I want to be Lord. It's not about your kingdom. It's about my kingdom. Once again, I'm not talking about the struggle. I'm not talking about the person who you're following Jesus and you fell and he's picking you back up and you're trying to get better and you're making progress. I'm talking about that compromise that you've made within your heart and you know, I'm trying to mix here. And Jesus is saying, it's eventually going to tear. It's eventually not going to fit because the old cannot contain the new. The old cannot comprehend the new. The old cannot fathom the new. And, and what I want us to see is if we fully surrender to King Jesus, if we fully surrender to the new, we will find that the life that he has in store for us, it's not always easy. It's not always, oh, it's all good all the time. But we will find that it is far better than any life we could ever design or try to create for ourselves. When he is King Jesus and he is in control, allow Jesus to do the work in your life that he promises to bring to completion, where the new begins to flourish in your life and stop trying to submit the new to the old because the old cannot contain the new. Then lastly, the challenge of Jesus. The challenge of Jesus. When the presence of Jesus becomes a reality in our lives and the work of Jesus begins to move in our hearts and our soul and our mind, we then begin to experience the challenge of Jesus. 
And the challenge of Jesus is this challenge to constantly take up our cross and follow him. But to do it in such a way, it, it, can, be, it can be difficult because we like our routines. We like being in control. I'm not really a big routine person, but I do have my routines. I, I actually really like things different. Ask him. I always like different things. I like to travel. I like to see new things. I, I like new things, but I also, I have my routines. We all have our routines. And the challenge of following Jesus is saying, I, I got to give up always having to be in the space of the familiar. I have to give up always having to be in the space of being in control. The challenge of Jesus is saying, I, and, 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 and I get it, like the, the routines are tough. We, all, we, used to, we used to make fun of my dad growing up because every morning he had this routine that he'd go through. And uh, he would, he'd get up he'd, every morning, he'd be ready for work, and he'd be in his closet in this little ceramic basketball that he put his wallet and his keys in. And he'd go, he'd say to himself out loud, he'd go, I got my buttons buttoned, I got my keys, I got my wallet, I got my buttons buttoned. And he'd say it like over and over again. Now I'm not getting it completely right, but he's like, I got my buttons buttoned, I got my keys, I got my wallet. Now, we're people of routines. We like our routines, but the challenge of Jesus, when he calls us into something new, oftentimes it's into the unknown. Not to talk about frozen right now, but but it, it, it's 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 into this unknown where he is leading us and he is guiding us and we are surrendering to him. And Jesus starts to Jesus ends this parable in Luke 5 with addressing this. He says this: No one after drinking old wine wants the new, for he says the old is good enough. At first, I was wondering what Jesus was saying here. I was a little bit, okay, what, what exactly is he talking about? No one after drinking old wine wants the new, for he says the old is good enough. What, what exactly is Jesus getting at here? Because he just talked about, you know, the importance of new wine. And so, uh, and, and, and I was doing some reading on this, and he's actually kind of speaking uh, uh, ironically or sar sarcastically in a sense. He's saying that there are people who gets so wrapped up in the old that they'll say, oh, you know what? I'm good with the old. I don't even want to try the new. I'm good with the old wine. I don't even need to try the new stuff because I know what the old has to offer. It's like those people in other parts of the United States who will say to me, I don't like hot dogs. And I say, have you ever had a Salem's hot dog? And they say, I don't like hot dogs. Say, no, 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 no. You haven't had a Salem's hot dog. You, you're eating other things, but like you got to have a Salem's hot dog. It's like a delicacy. It's different. They say, no, no, no. I don't like, uh, no, no. You don't understand. You don't get it. You don't get it. And, and I wonder how many of us are just saying, you know, I'm, you know what? I'd like to experience more of what Jesus has for me, but I'm good with good enough. Jesus has been inviting you forward and he's been saying, follow me for quite some time. But you know to accept and to receive that invitation, you're going to have to let some things go. And that's intimidating because you're like, I just like, I like the old stuff. I know what, I, you know what? I complain about the old. The old drags me down. The old is irritating, but I'm going to keep sitting in the old because I know what I get with it. How many of us get stuck in this cycle of, I know it's not good, 
I know it's not helpful. I know it's not healthy. I know it's not what's best. I know it's not what Christ has for me. But I know I know I can kind of be in control. I know the result. And so I say, oh, this is just good enough. My invitation for you tonight is that you would accept the challenge of Jesus to take up your cross and follow him. Because it is in the new life that he has that you will be experiencing a type of life that appears and feels to be completely unusual. And you have to let go, but it's the life that we were intended to live in. We were created in his image to bring about his purposes and his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. But for us to live in that reality, we must surrender and give our lives to him. I want to end by taking you to this passage in John chapter 6. In John 6, it's one of my favorite passages. Uh, Jesus is teaching. He says, I'm the bread of life. He starts talking about, he's talking metaphorically, but he talks about eat my flesh and drink my blood. And some people get really weirded out by it. Some people stop following him. They're like, this is challenging. This is strange. This is weird. We don't want anything to do with this. And so people start walking away and moving away from Jesus. They're, They're moving away. And Jesus turns to his closest followers. So, so what are you going to do? You, you're going to leave as well? And this, this response from Peter is so profound. I love this. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to know and to believe that you are the Holy One of God. He says to him, Lord, to whom would we go? Sometimes I should say, where else would we go? Where else are we going to go? And that's a question that every single one of us has to answer. If you don't go towards Jesus, if you don't follow Jesus, if you don't give your life to Jesus, where are you going? Where are you choosing to go? That's a question I want to invite you to wrestle with. If not Jesus, who? If not after him, where? Where are you going? He has abundant life in store for every single one of us. So consider where you're at tonight. Maybe you just need to spend more time being present with Jesus and listening to his voice. Maybe you've been doing that. He's been stirring up a new work within you. And it's time to respond to the work of Jesus and become who it is that he's called you to be and start doing what it is that he's called you to do. Or maybe it's the challenge of Jesus and you're saying, ah, I don't, I want to hold on to this, I want to hold on. And he's saying, let go, surrender, fully give your life to me. Live as his child, as a kingdom citizen, as his ambassador, and see what it is that he wants to do in and through your life.